What is up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. The Saints are 2-4 and four heading into Week 7, and it's going to be a little bit of a short week because they're heading over to the desert to play the Arizona Cardinals, another 2-4 and four team, by the way. So if the Saints want to get back on the right track, and boy, we all know that we want to see that happen, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and particularly on the defensive side of the football. I'm going to talk about all that and why my main concern is on that unit right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Once again, guys, as always, welcome inside the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. And as always, during this NFL season, if you guys are a new member, you can use promo code BOOT on any $5 NFL bet. And if you win, you get $200 in free bets. That's with DraftKings Sportsbook app now and promo code BOOT. So let's get into the Saints right now. And I know this is kind of the dark days of Twitter and everything going on. It seems like everyone's beefing with someone. You know, I have a lot of people mad that I've been pessimistic and some people are too optimistic and whatnot. And I don't want to get into that, all that logistic crap and whatever. What I will say is though, after the saints lost to the Bengals, I know Dennis Allen was addressing the media and Dennis Allen's not the type of guy who's going to give you the, the juicy quote, like a Dan Campbell. And I don't really care about that. Cause I think Dan Campbell, you know, all due respect to him. A lot of his stuff has been about quotes and not so much the product on the field, but what really kind of struck a nerve is I'm listening to Dennis Allen. He's talking about the Saints dropping in two and four and whether or not it's time to panic. And he says, and I quote, we're sitting here one game out in our division, so it's not time for panic. This is the league that we're in right now. And is Dennis Allen wrong? No, he's not. The NFC South is terrible, and the leader is three and three. The Saints are literally just one game back, like he said. So he's right in that regard. He's not wrong. But for me, I just can't stand when we're worried about the rest of the league and what's plaguing other teams and the standings and all that, because none of that matters if the saints don't fix their own problems. And I think the saints have a lot of problems right now. It's now week seven. It's not week two or week three. I see a lot of people tell me, Chris, I think you're being too harsh. It's not time to panic. They can figure things out. I don't disagree with the fact that they can figure things out. I think they can. I think there are certain things they're doing right now that are actually fixable. But what I'm trying to explain is, It's not week three. This is not September. We're in the heart of October. The Saints historically are good in October. And right now this team is two and four. And if they lose Thursday night and drop to two and five, that is a terrible start to Dennis Allen's tenure as the head coach of the Saints. So I don't care what's going on in Tampa. I don't care what's going on in Carolina. And I don't care what's going on in Atlanta. All I care about is whether or not the Saints fix their own damn problems. So when I hear it's not time to panic, the division is bad. Look, it is a bad division, and who knows? This season can turn on its head, and the Saints could win the South. But what have they shown us right now personally for you to say, yeah, I think they could win the South. Nothing. There's not a damn thing the Saints have shown you that you look at this team and say they're going to get back on the right track. They might, but there's nothing that gives you that confidence because of the issues they have. And more importantly, the issues they have on the defensive side of the football. I never thought coming into this year, and especially after the way the first three weeks played out, I never thought we'd be in this spot where I say, I don't know if the defense can hold its end of the bargain, but here we are entering week seven. And I'm telling you from now, that's how I feel. The saints went all in on a defensive minded head coach because it thought it had a top five defense. And I understand why they did that last year's unit. Incredible. They won a game nine, nothing that does not happen in today's era of throwing the football all around the park, but they did that. So they thought they can rely on that defense and ride that all the way to a playoff caliber team. But here's the problem. 
while they thought they could do that, they made so many changes that I think kind of went under, unaccounted for. Gone are Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins. In come Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. C.D. Deuce, out the door. Your defensive line didn't really add any juice to that. So that's different. I think, you know, you make all those changes, you can't expect the status quo to remain the same. It doesn't happen that way. There's going to be some turnover. And right now, this defense is 29th in scoring, which I still can't believe because week one, I didn't think that was the major problem with them. Week two, they did a good job of shutting down the Bucks for a while. And even week three, week three, the offense was terrible. The defense was fine outside of that one play. But you look over the last three weeks, 28 points to the Minnesota Vikings, 32 points to the Seattle Seahawks, 30 points this past weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals. The defense is the issue right now, not the offense. And to make matters worse, they are not just a defense that is breaking. Their defense is not forcing any turnovers. You know, there are teams, and I'll think back to the 2009 Saints. That was not an elite defense, but they were an opportunistic defense, and they were forcing turnovers. This team doesn't do any of that. Through six games, can you guess how many interceptions they have? If you sat here and said, I'm going to guess it's going to be one interception, you would be right. So through six games, they have one pick. Through last season, they had 18 in 17 games. Lattimore, Adebo, Gardner Johnson, all of them had three picks each. Marcus Williams as well. That team knew how to force turnovers. If you're going to be a defense that is going to make shit happen in today's NFL, you need to do two, one of two things need to, to either be a bend-but-don't-break defense or force turnovers. This team's not doing either one right now. Because I remember there's this whole narrative about the Saints settle for too many field goals against the Bengals. And I don't disagree with that. I saw that, you know, when you watch that game unfold, a lot of settling for three, not enough times getting in the, in the end zone. And I agree with that, you know, whole idea that the Saints really kind of shot themselves in the foot by settling for field goals. But, man, on the other side of the football... You talk about settling for field goals. The Saints defense didn't do a good job of making the Bengals settle for field goals. Every time they got down there, they were scoring touchdowns. So it works both ways. So this defense for me has been a major concern. You look at this pass rush. Demario Davis is leading the team in sacks with four. I know Demario's great. Cam Jordan, you guys want to complain about Cam Jordan? At this stage in his career, he should not have to carry the defensive line. But he does have three sacks. He's kind of doing his thing, and he's still good in the run defense. But David Onyemata, where you at? Because I don't really see much. I know a lot of people are getting on Marcus Davenport, but if you look at the advanced metrics for Marcus Davenport, QB hurries, just quarterback hits, normal pressures, all of that's kind of on par with what he does normally. Now, the sack numbers are not there, and that really is going to you know hurt him because he's the one who's got a contract year right now. But he's been okay. But I look at David Onyemata. I look at the interior of this defense. I look at the safety play. There are major concerns right now. David Onyemata is no longer an impact player. Tyron Matthew has legitimately struggled and he's missing tackles left and right. And the same can be said about Bradley Roby, who, by the way, the Saints were confident that Bradley Roby can fill in for Garner Johnson, who they traded away for to Philly for a bag of peanuts. So I look around, no more dominant run defense. You're not forcing turnovers. The D-line has been unimpressive to say the least. And on top of all that, Marshawn Lattimore's banged up right now. So that's just all kind of bad. And when you put that all together, that's why I'm really, really concerned with this Saints defense. I'm, I'm starting to think that the offense is figuring shit out, and this is crazy because they're missing a lot of key players, but the offense is starting to become run-centric, ground and pound, control the clock, and for the most part, that worked. I mean, it worked for 56 minutes against the Bengals before they just utterly collapsed in the last four minutes. But the defense right now, I don't think this is a quick fix. I think this is a legit problem. They're showing their age. 
their D-line is not getting after the quarterback at the rate you'd want them to. And I'm looking around, and I see all these teams getting younger. It feels like the Saints are getting older. That concerns me. So this defensive line, and this is something they can't fix this year. It needs to be fixed in the offseason. That needs an injection of youth. The safety play, you know, I, I didn't love that they lost both safeties. Now, you can't control the Malcolm Jenkins thing. He decides to go, you know, retire. That's up to him. Malcolm had a hell of an NFL career. We all love Malcolm Jenkins. You tip your cap and you say it is what it is. But Marcus Williams should still be on the New Orleans Saints. I could go back a couple years, and, and I was one of those guys who accepted it. And I said, it's okay. They let Trey Hendrickson walk. I, I don't want to get into all these past moves. But I remember when Trey Hendrickson walked, I was one of those people who told you guys, it's okay because they can use that money for Marcus Williams. Well, the Saints said we're not going to use that money for either one of them. So that, that just doesn't help. A lot of turnover. And you're seeing it because if this defense was playing the way they played last year, I actually would be one of those people right now saying, stay patient. They're going to turn things around. But I can't say that to you because I don't think this defense is going to turn things around. Now, they may have some flashes here and there, but I don't think they're going to be a dominant unit week in, week out like they used to. I think that ship has sailed. And that it really is a shame because the Saints just went in on defense with their head coach. So if the defense is not going to be working with a defensive head coach, what are you useful for? That's my question, and we'll see what happens there. But I'm going to change the topic a little bit because I know everyone's like, oh, you're being so pessimistic, and here you go, and it's too much drama. Let's start with some good news because this team needs it. The first piece of good news is that Alante Taylor returned to practice, and I think Alante Taylor is the type of guy that he could maybe, maybe help out some of the issues in the secondary. Now, we really only have about a quarter worth of really good tape from him, it was week two against the Bucs, and I thought he looked really good, and he was getting tested early by Tom Brady because Tom Brady thought, hey, rookie enters the game. Let's see what he's made of, and he stepped up to the challenge, and I thought that from there on out, we'd see more reps for him. Unfortunately, he got hurt in practice. That slowed him down. Goes on IR. It seems like he's on track to play this week against the Cardinals. That would be a big boost to them. This secondary, especially without Lattimore right now, they need all the help they can get. And I think that Elante Taylor gives them speed. He gives them a better tackler, at least from what we've seen both at Tennessee and that little limited tape that he had against the Bucs. And I think you need some speed out there because it is an older secondary. The Saints have gotten older. You know, you lose Marcus Williams, you bring in a Tyron Matthew, you bring in a Marcus May, you get rid of a C.J. Gardner-Johnson. That youth factor changes in the secondary. So I think Elante Taylor returning, that's excellent news for this team. The other Pretty decent news, and it's something that really doesn't make a difference today, but in a couple weeks from now, it can, is Trevor Penning. He was in a walking boot, but both John Hendricks and Nick Underhill said that Trevor Penning said that that boot's coming off next week, and then once he sheds the boot, he's officially listed as week to week. And if there's one thing I've raved about over the last couple weeks, it's been the Saints offensive line. I think the Saints offensive line has really turned a corner, and they're starting to establish the run week to week. And we're seeing that. We saw it against Seattle. We saw it against Minnesota. We saw it this past week against Cincinnati. That's the reason why they were ahead for most of the game. You add Trevor Penning to an offensive line that's really starting to find itself. And who knows? I mean, that run game could get going even further. And more importantly, you can get some type of idea on what type of player do we have in Trevor Penning? Because I think Trevor Penning, you know, in the preseason week by week was getting better. So if the Saints, who already know that Chris Olave can be an impact player, can get Trevor Penning to get back on the field, and he shows something. And now Alante Taylor, who's about to return, if he can show something as well, in a year that has been super dark, and there has not been a lot of good, at least you can walk away with a silver lining of, 
the Saints 2022 draft class looks like it's worth a damn. And that's really important. So, you know, I could talk about bad news all day, but I'm not going to spin it in any direction other than the one that it should be in. Alante Taylor and Trevor Penning progressing in the right way. It's huge news for this team today. It'll be huge news for this team tomorrow and the years after that. So we'll see what happens with those two. But without further ado, let's get into kind of the preview, I'd say, of Saints Cardinals and what it's going to entail to get a victory. And obviously, if you guys are listening on YouTube and you guys want to drop in comments, you guys know the drill. You drop them in and I will bring them up in just a little bit, probably in like five minutes from now. I'll bring up the question, uh, the comments, questions, whatever you guys got, uh, and we'll kind of chat from there on out. But let's talk about this Cardinals game because I think that the Saints and Cardinals are kind of mirror images of themselves. These are two teams that I'd imagine their fan bases came in and thought maybe a playoff team could possibly win the division. You don't know. But either way, you did not expect both teams to come out through their first six games with a 2-4 and four record. Definitely not Arizona when you paid Kyler Murray all that money. And definitely not the Saints. When you had an offseason that was filled with getting Chris Olave and Trevor Penning and Tyron Matthew and Marcus May and Jarvis Landry and thinking you're going to win now in an NFC that's not very good. And while the NFC is still not good, and that part's been validated, these two teams have really struggled. And on top of the disappointing starts, these two teams are seriously banged up. Let's start with the Saints. Chris Olave is going to be back, so that's great news for them. And I think Chris Olave at this point Call it premature all you want. I just, going off what I think is the reality of the situation, Chris Olave's wide receiver one in New Orleans now because availability is a very important ability, and he's been out there more than the other two. So Chris Olave returns, that'll be huge for them. But at this point, Michael Thomas is not expected to play. Jarvis Landry is not expected to play. Marshawn Lattimore is not expected to play. So these are obviously concerns. And then looking through the rest of the injury report, you have guys like Keith Kirkwood who got injured now. He probably will not play. Adam Troutman is not expected to play. Andrews Pete listed as did not participate for both walkthroughs on Monday and Tuesday. He's not expected to play. So he's banged up. And then you have a, a bunch of guys who are limited right now, both quarterbacks with back injuries. You have Mark Ingram, who's limited, Paulson Adebo, who's limited, Ryan Ramchek. You have Calvin Throckmorton, Peyton Turner. Their injury reports long as hell. But this is the one week where you really can't complain about injuries all that much because the Cardinals right now are dealing with their own problems. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown's expected to miss this game. He's dealing with a foot injury, and that could actually sideline him for the rest of the year. They're just trying to figure that situation out. James Conner, he's dealing with a rib injury. He has not practiced at all this week. Rodney Hudson, knee injury. He hasn't practiced. Justin Pugh, knee injury. He's not expected to play. So there is a legit chance that the Cardinals are going to be down. They're starting running back. They're starting left guard. They're starting center. Those are all legit concerns, and also Hollywood Brown. So I see a lot of people talking about, you know, how ridiculous is it that DeAndre Hopkins is returning for this game? And of course, the Saints are the team that he's going to play first. My flip side argument would be, dude, Hollywood Brown's out. So, yeah, I know Hopkins is considered better than Marquise Brown, but Hopkins is his first game back. We don't know what type of great shape he's in, if there's some rust that he has to knock off. And on the flip side, Hollywood Brown is that speed threat type of take the, t- the top of the defense off player. Saints don't have to account for now. And I know they traded for Robbie Anderson, but I don't really expect him to do much considering he just got there 24 hours ago. It's going to take him some time to get used to that Arizona playbook. So the Cardinals are equally banged up. And this is one of those games that I don't want to hear anything about injuries. And I, and I know injuries have played a role. Don't, do not get me wrong. The Saints would be a better team if Olave and Michael Thomas and Marshall Lattimore and Jarvis Lynch, all of them are playing. Seems like you're just going to get the first one. But the Cardinals are really, really banged up. They're off to a disappointing start. And just like the Saints, and I talked about this mirror image thing, 
They're dealing with a head coach that everyone's talking about and whether or not he's the right guy in the building. You know, if I had a dollar for every time people talked about Cliff Kingsbury and whether or not he's a legit NFL head coach, I'd have a lot of money right now because this is a coach who's also shown an inability to prove that he is the guy. Now, it's a little bit different from Dennis Allen. At least Dennis Allen has shown he's a great coordinator. The jury's still out of whether or not he could be a good coach. Most of us are leaning no. Cliff Kingsbury, though, this is a guy who did not have success in college. And yeah, the Cardinals were a successful team in the regular season last year, but two and four this year, and he's historically a quick starter and a slow finisher. That's not a good recipe for him. So again, goes back to that mirror image thing. But a lot of factors that are going to play into this start with and end with the quarterback situation. And that's what Kyler Murray and what he does against his Saints defense. The Saints have only played Kyler once before, and it was his rookie year in 2019. He did not play well in that, in that game. 19 of 33, only 220 yards, and only 13 yards on the ground, which is the more telling statistic because I know I talked about it, I believe, on Monday. Saints are going to play Kyler Murray, then Derek Carr, then Lamar Jackson. So two out of the next three weeks, you're going to face two of the most explosive quarterbacks in the game. So how are you going to account for them? Them getting out of the pocket, them making plays with their legs? That's a big part of this. So that is one of the main things here. You know, everyone's going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. I'm more concerned about do the Saints contain Kyler Murray and make sure he doesn't break this game open with his legs. Because if he can run all day, that's going to be a huge issue for the Saints. And again, we have to add that uh, Kyler Murray, this past weekend against Seattle, horrible performance for the Cardinals offense. He did have 100 rushing yards, though. So we know he can use his legs, and the Saints defense has struggled against running quarterbacks. Heck, the Saints this past weekend made Joe Burrow look like Kyler Murray. So what will Kyler Murray look like? against the Saints defense if they have a similar performance. So I'm really concerned about that regard, and that's something that I need to see. And again, back to the defense, if you're going to play a bend-but-don't-break style unit, you got to make sure that Kyra doesn't make these off-script plays on a consistent basis because if he does that, that's where we're in a real hole. Another thing, how do you match up against Rondell Moore? Now, I know we're talking about all these guys, Chris Olave and DeAndre Hopkins. Those are the two receivers that people are going to circle into this one because they're going to be the respective number ones on their teams. But I'm concerned about Rondell Moore because the Saints have shown this season that they are struggling with guys over the middle of the field and they're struggling with those shifty wide receivers. And Rondell Moore kind of fits that mold. And Rondell Moore hasn't had a big game this year yet. And we know when we talk about someone who hasn't had a big game yet and when they're due for it, it always feels like it happens against the Saints. So I would not be surprised if we're talking about the Saints on Friday morning and saying, man, what a shit job they did on stopping Rondell Moore. So how do you adjust for him that's something I'm looking at. Because again, Marquise Brown's out of the picture. AJ Green is no longer who he used to be. No one's worrying really right now about Robbie Anderson in the sense that you don't know if he's going to play. And if he does, the Saints do have a lot of experience against Robbie Anderson. He just played for the Panthers. So I know a, talk, a lot of talks to be on Hopkins. I think Rondell Moore's the guy, if the Saints struggle in the middle of the field, which by the way, is a part of the fact that Bradley Roby's in the slot and you don't have CJ Garner-Johnson anymore. That really concerns me. Because you go watch that Bengals game again, there were key situations where you could get off the field and Tyler Boyd was open. And Tyler Boyd finished that game with six catches for 66 yards. And that might not be the sexiest stat line in the world, but was he effective? Did he keep the chains moving? Did he have all those catches where the crowd was up and you thought you're getting off the field and then the drive gets extended? He did. I was there. I watched it. We saw it unfold. You guys all did. So that's what really concerns me about more. I really think he could break this game open. So that's something that I'm looking at. Now, on the flip side, what do you got to do to win this game? I think it's pretty simple. I think a repeat in terms of offensive performance of last week 
is something that can get you. Now I'm talking about the first 56 minutes, not the last four minutes. That's something that could get you a win. I look at this Cardinals defense. They're not any type of intimidating unit, especially in the run defense. You saw Kenneth Walker have a really good game for Seattle this past weekend. I think with Kamara, with Taysom, with Ingram, you can really lean on that rushing attack. And I think the Saints should continue to lean on the rushing attack for the rest of the year. You know, I see a lot of people debate about quarterback, who should start this and that. I don't really care as much about that as much as I care about Saints should continue to stick to running the football. And then when you get in passing situations, everything should build off Chris Olave and what's to follow. And while I'm at it and we're talking about the run game, Pete Carmichael today was saying how Taysom Hill being the emergency backup should not really scare them from having good usage. That's fine. But then don't go away from him in the second half like they literally did last week against the Bengals. And that's something that really bothered me because you look at Taysom's usage, a lot of his yards against the Bengals was really predicated off one run. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're not putting him on the field, that's one less playmaker the Bengals have to account for when all three of your playmakers were already out due to injuries. That really bothers me. So I think you need another heavy dose of Taysom Hill, whether people like it or not. The Saints have two wins this year. One of them is really based on him being a dominant force in the run game. The other one, Jameis Winston going nuclear in the last four, in the last 12 minutes of the game. This team has not shown that they can consistently win football games outside of having a groundbreaking performance in the fourth quarter by Jameis or a groundbreaking performance by Taysom Hill. So stick to what you know right now and run the damn rock with Kamara, with Ingram, and do not just start taking Taysom Hill out of the game because the Cardinals gave you a look that you didn't like. I don't think that's a good enough reason. You got to mix it up. You got to get creative. I go and watch the, the Ole Miss game a couple of weeks ago. And I don't think a couple weeks ago, this might have been a weekend ago. And they ran the QB power play, but it was actually design run. And what they did is they had the running back leak out of the backfield. And basically, it was kind of like an advanced wheel route. And before the quarterback obviously crossed the line of scrimmage, because you got to make sure this is a legal freaking play, the running back leaks out. He's wide open. Quarterback hits him. Easy touchdown. Pete Carmichael can't watch that and think maybe that's something I can implement into my offense. I'm just saying you got to mix it up because you still got to get Taysom on the field, but you got to make sure that you're keeping defenses honest. So switch it up a little bit. That's all I'm asking for. So I, I look at this game. I'm not, I'm not even going to make a prediction about it because I'm so on the fence about this game because the Saints and the Cardinals are the same exact team. I said two weeks ago that the Saints would beat the Seahawks. I felt very good about that. And then I came on here and I said, I don't think the Saints are going to beat the Bengals because the Saints haven't shown us they can win back-to-back -back games. I felt very good about that as well. I have no idea right now who I'd give the lean between the Saints and the Cardinals. I honestly, truth of the matter, I think the slight lean I would actually give to New Orleans. I really think that the Cardinals have been that bad, and I think the Saints at least have that ground attack that they can lean on. But I just don't trust this team enough to sit here today and tell you, yeah, I think the Saints are going to win Thursday night. I just can't do that. And I won't do that because I don't feel that way. So I think these are two mirror images of themselves, teams that look damaged right now and have not lived up to the hype. And we're going to figure out because the loser of this game, you pretty much can pack it up this season. Two and five is such a massive hole to get out of. And I know people could say, well, what if the Cardinals and the, what if the, the Bucks and the Panthers and the Falcons lose this weekend? First off, the Bucks and the Panthers are going to play each other. So that's not going to happen. And I think that the Saints have to stop worrying about what the rest of the division is doing and focus on winning games. And if the Saints can start winning games, the division's bad enough that that will take care of itself. But you got to do your work first. You can't worry about what everyone else is doing. So I really am on the, on the fence about whether or not I think they're going to win this game. But do I think they can win this game? Absolutely. The Cardinals are not a good football team. Just like I thought last week, 
despite all the injuries. I didn't think the Bengals were a good football team. And the Saints should have won. And they gave that one away. Now, the beauty of playing Thursday night football, and there's not much, but this is the slight beauty of it. When you come off a loss like the Saints had, you want to get on the football field right away. And I think not having to wait until Sunday, that is a good thing for this team. Whether or not they're going to win, though, again, like I said, I'm not going to make that prediction because I really don't feel good about it. But if you told me today, Chris, where's the slight lean? I'm actually slightly leaning towards New Orleans. I just don't know if they're going to implode in the last four minutes like they did against the Bengals because I'm telling you this is going to be a one-score game. This is going to come down to the wire and can either the Saints defense make a stop or can the Saints defense run out the clock? It's going to be one of those two. And if they can do that and learn from the mistakes they made against the Bengals, then yes, this team will win. And for a weekend, we can all sit back and relax and not have to worry about what stupid moves they're going to make next. But we have to see it kind of come to fruition. And we'll see if that happens Thursday. So without further ado, guys, let's kind of get into whatever you guys had to say in the chat. And as always, all the comments that you guys make in the chat is presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer, the official seltzer of the Straight Up Saints podcast and Boot Crew Media. I see you guys quickly with some, you know, funny comments and whatnot. Uh, Mark here writes, Taysom Hill, the QB1, now that Dalton's hurt. I don't think so. You know, a lot of reporters said today, you still got Dalton one in the first team offense. And it would take both Dalton and, and Jameis to be like legitimately hurt, like can't even be active for that to happen. Now, what I will say about this, uh, to your point, Mark, with Andy Dalton banged up, I know people might flip it and say, well, maybe you got to be careful with Taysom's usage because what if Andy gets hurt? I'm actually going the other way. I'm saying I'm upping the usage of Taysom Hill in this Cardinals game. I, I think that you got to utilize him as much as possible because, like I said, one of your two wins that you have this year is because of him being dominant. And two, if Andy Dalton's banged up, what is the best way of kind of easing things for your quarterback? Running the football and also letting the other guy take a lot of the load on himself because Taysom Hill has shown that he can do it this season. And, and I still can't believe that what they went away from him in the Bengals game. Joseph says, I'll be honest, it's the same shit every week with this team, and that's frustration. I honestly don't know what to say. Look, that, that's part of it, right? So everyone's arguing on Twitter about who's pessimistic, who's too optimistic, because it goes both ways, right? Because someone could tell me that I'm being too pessimistic, and I'll say, okay, sure, I am. But I see so many people saying, don't panic. They'll be all right. It is week seven. It's week seven. It's not September anymore. Teams start to kind of figure out and show who they are at the end of October and definitely in November, because when you're sitting at the Thanksgiving dinner table and you're having that football conversation with your family that you really don't want to have, depending on whether or not your team's good this year, you know who's good and who's bad. And right now, as we were really only a month away from that moment, the Saints don't look like a good team. So for people that, that are like, man, too pessimistic, you're, you're being too unfair on this team, too harsh, what do you want us to say? Like, if the Saints keep losing games, are we supposed to just act like it didn't happen? Like I said, th this team has two wins this year, and neither win was really impressive. Honestly, the, the, the ones that they've lost are ones that should be wins. So that, that really concerns me. <laughs> Go crazy says the defense is so bad. Yeah, look, this has been one of the major issues of this year's team has been the defense. And this was supposed to be a defensive-led team. That was supposed to be the reason they're going to be a playoff caliber roster. That hasn't been the case at all. They're older. They're missing tackles. They're not forcing turnovers. You can go down the list of why they're struggling. And every reason and every box that they're checking, those are major concerns. What defense is going to win games when they aren't playing bend but don't break? They aren't forcing turnovers. They aren't making simple tackles. What does this defense do good besides having really stellar linebacker play week to week? That's about it. 
Joseph says, I actually think Marcus May isn't that bad, but I can't stand Tyron. He's slow and can't tackle. He might honestly have the worst pursuit I've ever seen. Look, I, and, and Joseph's adding that he's, a, he's from Louisiana and he, and he loves Tyron and all that. This is what I'll say about the Tyron Matthew thing, because I, I actually was in a, a little bit of a Twitter argument today with some guy, and it, he kept it respectful, and, and I, I appreciate that. But he was saying how it, you know, it seems like personal or it seems like it's harsh that, I, that I, I, I'm being too harsh on Tyron and I wouldn't say these things to his face. If Tyron Matthew, who was supposed to kind of be added to the secondary of the Saints and be a little bit of an anchor and also be a vocal leader, if I'm not seeing any of that right now, what, what is he there for? And that's why I joke that he's there for vibes only because he's not making those impact plays consistently that you want. Granted, funny enough, he's the only one with an interception on this year's team. But again, not making enough impact plays. And week to week, he's missing a major tackle. So when he's in open space and you need him to make a big play and he's not making them at all, and then I look at the Saints sideline and there's only two guys that look revved up each play and it's Demario Davis and Cam Jordan, two of your older guys on defense, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to be harsh about it. Because let's let's just spill some truth here real quick. There are certain Saints fans to this day that have not forgiven Marcus Williams for missing a tackle. One particular tackle. I know people want to bring up the George Kittle shit too fine. Let's say two plays, right? Tyron Matthews making two of those missed tackles a game at this point. And again, I think Tyron Matthews could turn it around. Hell, I would not be surprised if he turns it around this Thursday against the Arizona Cardinals, his former team. Like, it would not surprise me if he makes a, a big play, a turnover, uh, you know, in this game. I would not be surprised. But at the same time, you got to be fair with yourself and, and say when someone's struggling. And I don't care if it's LSU bias or no LSU bias. Let's just call it what it is. Wesley says, a man, imagine this run game with Penning. Phew. Yeah, look, that, that's why I bring up the Trevor Penning thing, right? This run defense has, uh, run offense has really found its identity. They are just becoming, whether people like it or not, the, one of the top three running teams in the league. It, it's trending that way. And it's going to continue to trend that way because that's what they're going to lean on. Because as they get through this season, they're going to find more and more that that's what they do best. You know, right now in yardage, this team ranks seven at the run. And, and that is really impressive because you have to remember they were not running the football at this clip through the first three games of the season. So really the last three games have carried and taken over for the first three. And I think that's going to continue. And Trevor Penning would only add to that. Joseph says, in my early season predictions, I had the Cardinals not making the playoffs, but I'll admit I didn't see the loser of this game going to two and five. Yeah, I didn't look. I didn't actually have the Cardinals making the playoffs either. I had the Niners and the Rams both making from the West. Now it seems like just one will make it out of the two. But... I didn't have them being two and four through their first six games. And I damn sure didn't have the Saints being two and four through their first six games because I thought the Saints' first six games was the easier part of their schedule. And then I thought they'd hit the, the hard part. Now it's kind of flipped. These games that are coming up seem a little bit more manageable. But again, the Saints haven't shown us that they are the team that can really kind of overcome that and take care of business. Wesley says, what's the likelihood we never see MT play for the Saints ever again? I think that's really small. I think Michael Thomas will be back either after the Cardinals game or by the Monday night game against the Ravens. I truly feel that way. I think he'll be, he'll be playing again this year. But I think that at this point, and I see Joseph's also talking about it again with, with Michael Thomas and, and how we're always in a mystery. I think what we need to stop doing, and I think a lot of you guys have started to do that, which, which is the right thing to do. We need to stop banking on Michael Thomas playing and being an impact player for the Saints because we don't know if he's going to be available. Now, if he is available for said game, expect him to play a big role in that game because he's still that good. We saw it week one against the, the Falcons. We saw it week two against the Bucs and week three against the Panthers before he got hurt. But the days of him being a shoe-in to start, that's over. The days of him playing double-digit games, right now that seems over. And I think that he will play again for the Saints. 
But at some point, though, we got to start questioning how much longer he's got in the Saints uniform just because that's the nature of it. This is no knock on Mike. I think Mike is still an exceptional football player. But sadly, injuries have really derailed what, what I've said for years is a Hall of Fame career. Derailed a Hall of Fame career because at his peak, I think he's the best possession receiver I've seen in football for a long time. Long time. Like I used to think Anquan Bolden was the ideal image of a possession wide receiver. Michael Thomas took that over for me. And it's really upsetting and I feel terrible for him, but that's also kind of the reality. Joseph, a couple comments here from, hopefully we don't shy away from chasing him again this week. Yeah, look, I, I think that's something that is really frustrating that they did against the Bengals game. Everyone watching that game was so confused. I saw you guys on Twitter all talking about it. Where the hell was Taysom in the second half? He had 15 total snaps in that game. That's just not enough. Joseph also says, sorry, I feel like I've been ranting about this team, but it's really frustrating. This is the only place where my voice is heard. Yeah, look, and, and I've said it before. So for anyone listening, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube, I'm going to start adding more and more live streams as the weeks go on. Like next week will probably be the first week that you'll see. I'll really ramp it up. We're going to do at least three live shows, maybe even four. So that will get ramped up. And part of it is I want to ramp, but I also want to hear what you guys have to say, which is also kind of why I like doing these live streams in the first place. You guys drop in your comments and I'll get to them. And I remember when I add another one, I'm going to let it be focused on you guys. So you guys are going to bring up the topics that you guys want to chat about. And then we're going to bring it up and we're going to discuss. Joseph also has, if Dalton can't go, do they play Jameis? I feel like it'll be a rush and that Jameis should sit one out uh, sit out one more game and then potentially play next week, depending on who they want to start. Yeah, that is a very interesting question. And I actually really like that question, by the way. If Dalton can't start, which by the way, I've not felt that way. I think Dalton will start. I have not gotten any indication that he won't play on Thursday night. So I would, if I were you guys, I'd expect Dalton to be the starter for the Saints. But what an interesting bind that would put you in because the, the only luxury of playing Thursday night football outside of what I just said about if you come enough loss, you want to get on the field as soon as possible. The actual luxury after that is that you do get a 10-day layover. And those 10 days for a guy like Jameis Winston who's resting his back, that, that would be really big. And resting his ankle, 10 days to, to get away from the action and, and not worry about guys falling on top of you and 300-pounders hitting you every play, that, that is a big boost. So would you rush him back knowing that you have those 10 days after that? I think that personally, I, I don't think you would start him. I would honestly just go with a full-on Taysom game in that, in that regard. Now, I don't think the Saints are going to do that because I think Andy Dalton will be the starter. But that, that's kind of where I would go because those 10 days are huge for you, you know? Connor says, we really gave away the Bengals game. They really did, and it's a damn shame. I see a lot of people argue with me about, well, Chris, if I told you the Saints missed Olave and Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry and Marshall Lattimore, you would say they're going to lose that game. And I said, of course. But what you see on the injury report isn't always the way the game plays out. If you go back and watch the Saints game, and we all saw it, who was a better team for 56 minutes? The Saints were a better team for 56 minutes. Which team imploded in the last four minutes? That was also the Saints. And that's where they lost that game. They threw it away. There is no reason why we shouldn't be talking about a 3-3 three and three team going into Week 7. But we're talking about a 2-4 and four team instead because they played safe and the defense, again, as they've been doing consistently over the last couple of weeks, missed tackles and didn't come up when they were supposed to. And for a team that says they want the pressure, they want the game to be on them, Right now, I hate one of the games on them because I don't trust them to come up with a big play. And honestly, even when they were at their peak, I never did. Connor adds, defense is old as shit. Trade away the young for old and look at us now. That, that is the thing, right? You, you went all in on getting certain players. You got Marcus May. You got Tyron Matthew. 
And then you take you, you lose Gardner Johnson, get rid of him. You didn't resign Marcus Williams. You got older in the secondary. And you're seeing it right now. And forget about being old. The old part might not be why they're missing tackles. That just might be sloppy coaching and sloppy executing. And that's a big part of it, right? Because a lot of us, including myself, we talk about Dennis Allen, whether or not he's a good coach. I think DA's got his own concerns. I see one of you guys actually dropped a really fun question about DA, and I'll pull it up in just a minute. DA's not going out there missing the tackles. Now, now DA's responsible for a lot of the problems right now, but he's not the one that's missing these tackles that are supposed to be made. Nathan Stone says death taxes and QB power on Thursday night football question mark. Yeah. I, I think that's gotta be it, right? Like if, if you ask yourself, how are the saints going to beat the Cardinals? And this isn't a, a tall task. The Cardinals are not a good team, but neither are the saints. It's gotta be heavy run and heavy run with Taysom Hill because you gotta, you really have to enforce your will. If you're the saints in the ground game. And I think Kamara is fantastic. He's been great the last two weeks. And I think Ingram really bounced back this past Sunday against the Bengals. I talked about a lot of negatives this past weekend. I think Mark Ingram was a really big positive. I thought what he did, he looked explosive. So that was great. But Taysom Hill's the guy that really kind of sets the tone for what the Saints want to do as a run team. Because you bring in those jumbo packages and you force those defenses to get up in the box and impose their will. And they usually can't do that. So I, I would be all in on, on a death taxes and QB power type of game plan. I should think that should be the case. Lala asks, should I pick the Saints money line on my DraftKings parlay? Look, I, I would I, I am under the belief that I would stay away from Saints money lines for the rest of the year. But right now, if like I really had to make a pick, the Cardinals are not good at home. The Cardinals have struggled against the run the last couple of weeks. The Cardinals are dealing with as many injuries as the Saints. I, I kind of think, again, I don't really love this game. But I kind of think the Saints are going to win it. But I do not love this game at all. But I, I do think they are going to win this one. The thing with Tyron is he's doing excellent coverage, but the DBs are not helping him by leaving him as the last man standing, getting killed for big plays, knowing he's a poor tackler. I don't disagree with that. Like, Tyron Matthews' MO has never been physical imposer, great tackler. That's never been his MO. His MO is making the game-changing play. And he does have two big plays this year. But the problem is, if you're going to miss those tackles and he's going to be in those positions, right, where he is the last line of defense and you're going to see him kind of really, really be put in a horrible situation, which is kind of what you're alluding to, then you need more big plays from him. And you're not getting that. And it almost seems like the energy's down from him. And I, I don't know if that's a personal thing. I don't know if maybe that's kind of where he's been the last couple of years. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But he just, it doesn't seem like the tire Matthew of old. And, and that kind of concerns me, you know? Wesley says, I saw Ryan from the Saints Twitter pod post this, but wondering your thoughts. What would it take for you to believe in DA, uh, to believe in DA could be a good head coach? So I actually did see that, by the way. Uh, obviously, you guys know that, that I love Ryan. He's, he's hilarious. Uh, and he is one of the, I think, best, not just game day follows. I just think throughout the week, because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of a given week, you kind of get boring. Thursday's kind of where things ramp up in terms of like people talking and tweeting about stuff. Ryan all week is like tweeting the best stuff about the Saints. And, and I love him. And I think that was a great question that he posed. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think for Dennis Allen, for me to believe he's a good head coach, I think the Saints have to finish this year in a position where either they win the NFC South or they, are, they finish the year on a, on a hot note. And look, if they lose out and the Bucs are like 10-7 and 7, the Saints are 9-8, and 8, I can go into next year saying Dennis Allen should still be the head coach. Other than that, though, there isn't that much. And I'll go as far as saying this. I think there are good head I think there are bad head coaches that sometimes have lucky years. I, I said last year, I don't think Zach Taylor's a good head coach. Bengals still made a Super Bowl, though. Cliff Kingsbury made the playoffs last year. 
Now this year we're talking about how he's a crap coach. Things work out that way. It's a, it is a weird NFL. There are coaches who I don't think are good, and you could have a good record. Uh, do any of you guys think that Brandon Staley on the Chargers is a good head coach? You're probably all going to tell me no, and you're all going to probably tell me you think Sean Payton's going to be in L.A. next year. But who knows? The, the, the Chargers will probably make the playoffs at this rate. So I, I, I can't go as far as saying Dennis Allen making the playoffs makes me think he's a good head coach. I just want to see them make better adjustments. I want to see them stop making stupid mistakes on defense. I want to see him step up to the plate when shit gets hard. Because I know that when times get tough, Sean Payton always would. Now I want to see if Dennis Allen can do that. John says, how can you have two defense corners, defensive mind head coach, and still have fundamental issues on defense? That's what I want to know, man. That makes no sense. And the whole idea of having too many chefs in the kitchen makes no sense either. Like that, that should really benefit the defense, but it hasn't. Would you trade for Cam Akers? I know since last year you've been asking for another running back. So I am asking for another running back. I don't think they should trade for Cam Akers, though, because I think the Saints need every pick they have right now. And for people worried about Cam Akers and whether or not he needs a change of scenery, he probably does need a change of scenery. It's kind of weird that he hasn't really hit his stride and, and, and been an impact player in L.A. But if he's not figuring stuff out on the Rams and they need running backs, I, I don't know if it's more of a Cam Akers problem than it is a Rams issue. That, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Creole King says, I saw your earlier tweet, but we need to focus on winning division. Also, QB power is not working because the edge blitz blows it up. So here's the thing. I do agree they need to focus on winning division. The, the wild card thing's out of the picture now. NFC East has really taken it up a notch. You expect either the Packers, Rams, 49ers, Vikings, that split. There could be two teams from each division there possible. So it's division or bust. As for QB power, with what the Bengals did on Sunday, yeah, I agree. They were blowing that up, and there was just that one big run. But I think taking Taysom out of the game, though, and it doesn't have to always be QB power. You can't just run the same play a million times. Taking Taysom out of the game, though, makes life easier, in my opinion, for the opposing team. It, it just does. Seems as if the defense sends one blitz a game. QBs are so comfortable in the pocket against us. Yeah, but I, I'll say this about the Bengals game. There were three moments where Joe Burrow should have got sacked. All three moments resulted in big plays. One of them ended up being a dump off uh, to, to Samaje Pirine. The other one ended up being that play where he ran 10 yards backwards and, and Pete Warner missed him. Then he hit Tyler Boyd for a 10-yard gain. That was on third down. And then he had the one in the red zone where the pocket collapsed. He looked like he was going to go down. And then he kind of just went out there and scored and had a rushing touchdown. So th that, that's what concerns me more. Not finishing plays more so than, than causing them because they're, they're almost there. They're not finishing it, though. Nathan says, thanks to Pittsburgh, all hope is not lost yet. The NFC South is wide open. Like, who knows what the Falcons are? Tampa Tom aged in the offseason by 20 years, and Carolina's dumpster fire. Yeah, division's terrible. You guys are absolutely right about that. But if the Saints are going to make a run in a terrible division, they got to start winning games. It's week seven. It's week seven. And if they fall to two and five, at what point do we say the season's over? I, I feel like that's a pretty good indication, you know, because the Bucs are playing the Panthers this week. I expect the Bucs to win. Now, on the flip side, I expect the Falcons to lose this week. The Falcons end up having a matchup coming up uh, against the, let me pull it up, against the Bengals. I kind of expect the Bengals to win there, but the Saints got to start winning games or else it's all for naught. I think that when Jameis comes back, his margin for error is very low. Possibly, if he starts, I, I don't know what the, what the Saints are going to do right now. Like, I, I genuinely don't know what the Saints are going to do at quarterback because I think the Saints want to go ground attack, value time possession, and that offense kind of bodes better towards Andy Dalton who is really just a game manager in every sense of the word. But if the Saints want to be more aggressive and go run game and play action, Jameis makes more sense. I, I've said this all day. That's Jameis's best strength. Play actions where you see the best parts of Jameis Winston. I, I just don't know what the Saints are going to do at quarter, quarterback. I really don't. 
What do you think about Pete going, getting down injured again? It's tough, man. I think Andrews Pete's actually had a pretty decent year. And I think part of that is the Saints running the football more. When you run the football more, you get Andrews Pete out in space a little bit. And that's where you see his, his best work. Now, Andrews Pete has not been perfect. Andrews Pete still makes mistakes. But the drop-off from Andrews Pete to Throckmorton is pretty substantial. I would rather actually see Lewis Kidd at some point than Throckmorton, to be honest. So we'll kind of see what happens there. But yeah, it, it is unfortunate that he keeps getting hurt. But that, that's kind of who he is at this point. I almost expect it. Nathan says you think the NFC South is the NFC East. That is true. That is true. When was the last time you seen a DB come off the edge from this team? Uh, a while. I mean, they, they lost the guys that were so good at it. Malcolm Jenkins was so good at it. PJ Williams was so good at it. You don't have those guys. Gardner Johnson was actually really good at it as well. Those are three guys that you, you kind of take off that, that roster, and that really hurts. Saints lead the league in almost sacks. You got that right. And Creole King says, with the addition of Roach, uh, inside pressure will increase. Will inside pressure increase? I think it should. I think it should. I, I, I don't know why Roach isn't getting more playing time. I actually think Malcolm Roach should be getting more snaps at this point because you're seeing that the rest of this team is not cutting it out. So he had 15 in week five, and he had 22 in week six. I would like to see that number jump up in week seven. I really would, especially against a team with the Cardinals that are going to run the rock with their quarterback. Doesn't matter if the conference division is terrible, if you're the worst team in it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Kid took more snaps on it. Yeah, I, I, and I would like it to stay that way. I actually think Lewis Kidd, and, and uh, you guys know John Hendricks obviously been big on him. He's had a, he had a really good camp, really decent preseason, made the rosters an undrafted guy. I'd like to see him get more reps if it comes down to that. Joseph says, genuine question. The O-line has played better under Dalton, so is that just them stepping up, or is that because Jameis were launched the ball too long? I think part of it is them, a big part of them is them stepping it up. The whole Jameis holding the ball too long, it did happen a couple of times, don't get me wrong, but that, that for me, wasn't, the main, it wasn't as concerning as the times that the offensive line was getting blown up early in the down. That, is, that has been gone. That's been wiped away. So I think that this offensive line, that's the bigger thing. The offensive line has really stepped up its game. But I do think Jameis does hold the ball a little bit more than Andy Dalton. But I, I think it's more the former than the latter. Going to the game this week, hopefully we win. Se season seems over if we don't. Yeah, look, two and five? Two and five is tough, man. I, I don't know how you get out of two and five. I, I, I think getting out of two and four would be an impossible hole if your division didn't stink. But the division does stink, so it's possible to get out of that hole. But you got to start winning games. And it all starts with this Thursday, almost at Sunday, this Thursday night against the Cardinals. But without, with all that said, guys, I'm going to cut it here. I know we still got playoff baseball on today. Pelicans start their season tomorrow. That should be exciting for you guys. Uh, and I know basketball's on tonight. I believe the Lakers are playing. So, I don't know. You guys will probably root for them to lose that one. So, at least that gives you something to do tonight. But anyway, guys, thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and, and giving comments. As always, I see someone mentioning Ruiz. I think Ruiz has been really good this year. I think his ceiling, we'll see. But he's shown that he's a starting right guard, and that, that is a great sign. But now I'm going to to end it there. I did appreciate that question, though. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Thursday. Saints, Cardinals, both teams two and four, both teams super disappointing this year. One of them is going to leave that game thinking our season's over and October has not even ended. And that is a scary thought. And hopefully the Saints aren't the team that's saying that. But it all happens on Thursday night. Saints, Cardinals, we'll see if the Saints can get to three and four. And if they do, They'll keep their hope alive for at least another week. We'll see what happens. And as always, guys, stay tuned to more content here for Booker Media and the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.